Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, we have Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? I'm doing fine, doing fine, trying to stop a war and prevent it. Always. But we sense that there might be some optimism out there. Maybe there is a little shifting in our direction. That's good. We want to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, there's also some indication that uh, in the meantime, they're sure wasting a lot of money and there's sure a lot of pain and suffering from it. And we have to have a, have a balance. But the, we'll, we'll talk about that because uh, our responsibility is try to introduce the defense of uh, the position of why go to war if we don't need to. And like we've done that once or twice before. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about just the whole, uh, the whole issue of war because uh, there's always beneficiaries or it wouldn't happen. And uh, there's, there's also the, the victims of the war. And most people realize that usually the common man who has to pay and suffer the militarism of it are the, are the real victims. But the payment of the war generally goes back to the middle class because they never collect taxes for the war. Uh, enough to pay for and say, well, well, at least we're fiscally responsible for starting this war. They're, they're not. Uh, even during World War II, I remember we were instructed to go and sell war bonds, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and collect money. But it was such a small percentage of uh, money that was, uh, that was raised that way, and it was loaned to the government. But they so they resorted to inflation. You know, there was a lot of inflation. So the inflation, who suffers the most? The middle class. Yeah. You know, the prices go up and they suffer the consequence. And that tax hits the middle class a lot heavier, percentage-wise especially, than does the uh, taxes that hit the very wealthy, who ha usually have ways of getting around it. Yeah. And uh, who then profits if the middle class is paying for it? Well, we've talked about that enough, you know, profiteering, you know, the military industrial complex is the, is the big group that does it. But there's a lot of other groups that do it. There's factions around the world that we send money to. Right now there's an argument going on about uh, how the money is being spent. And uh, the Congress never even say, well, we maybe maybe we should monitor and find out where the money's going. That, that never happens. It's so careless. It's free money. And if free money is such, it, uh, nobody wants to, uh, at least the people who are getting the benefits aren't going to allow the investigation. <clears throat> and that's part of the process of uh, the resistance toward a um, audit of the Federal Reserve, even without a war going on. There's a lot of profiteering going on by the monetary system that uh, allows some people to get way, way ahead. But on the war issue, uh, Daniel and I have worked on this, uh, you know, for a good many years now, and uh, we can't claim we stopped any wars. Uh, we brought attention to it, and uh, we've always looked for openings to try to convince the people to oppose it because the people can stop it. But uh, it is the record isn't very very good for this. But you know, the other thing that really suffers during war that uh, is something that we all should pay attention to is freedom, especially for the average person, the, uh, the intervention that goes on, whether it's the monetary intervention or the civil liberties intervention, you know, the locking up people who disagree with, uh, with the war, and that's been going on since the Civil War period. And uh, of course, uh, you know, Murray Rothbard always said, and others have said, you know, that wars always leave us 
with less freedom. Yeah. He said the, our revolution was probably the exception that the people in, in this country, in, this, in the colonies, ended up with more freedom after that war was finished. But that, that is a rarity. Uh, maybe there's some other examples throughout history, but that was one big example. And uh, how, we asked questions about, well, how, how, do, how do they get convert? Why do people go along with it? Because, uh, you know, when we, were, when we talked against the building up of the war uh, effort for, for, uh, for Iraq, uh, the American people were positively opposed to it. Yeah. They said, don't do it. But, you, you know, I bet it, and it, it seemed like uh, I was amazed that it was taking them so long to drop their bombs. But it looks like they worked on the propaganda for six months or longer until the people, you know, were convinced that Saddam Hussein was, was the monster and he, and he was going to attack us and, you know, these sort of things. And, and that's why, uh, you, you know, there, there was this conversion. So getting into war, uh, there's usually two groups, both of them probably lying, and uh, yet truth is what we, we seek because if the people had the truth, uh, you know, what about the war against the people during COVID? If the people really had had the information from that instead of all the propaganda, maybe some lives could have been saved in a, a better way than what they claim they were doing. Take a shot and you'll, and you'll be okay. Uh, you know, and there's all this talk about the war, the war, this and all this spending that's going on. You know, one thing that they ignore, for, and I think it's the definition of what's going on on our border. I think that's, that's a real war in the sense that uh, I, I, I call it an invasion. You know, it's a shrewd way of opening up the doors, and uh, it looks like they're victorious, and and they, and they continue to punish the people. They'll take people out of hospitals and schools, American citizens who help pay for these things. They take it out, and they let the illegal immigrants come in yeah. with, with a great potential for more disaster, and, and it, it, it's found that many of them are criminals, and, and I think they're very dangerous, but most people point out that the immigrants coming in are all of uh, military age. The other thing I wonder about is they always, they don't look, they come in, they've just walked 2,000 miles, yeah. and they come in, and it looks like they're pretty well clothed, yeah. they look like they're pretty healthy, and, they're, and, they're <laughs> and they never look like they're tired walking. They practically jog around for the camera. So there's something really fishy going on. But you know, there was uh, one, one uh, thing, uh, interview that was done a long time ago that's been quoted many times. We've used it before, and I'm, I'm gonna do that before we get into this, uh, uh, you know, where the good news is coming. Yeah. And that has to do with what Goring said. And that was in 1945, the Nuremberg trials, there was a, a German a psychologist that did an interview with him. And it became a historic interview because uh, Goring was rather blunt, sounded like he was telling the truth, you know. But it, it's astounding because there's what he was saying, uh, if there's any infractions, but he was speaking the truth in many ways about trying to explain to the suckers who go to war. And I'm going to read that quote. It's a little bit longer and people probably heard it, but I keep referring to it because it, to me it was so significant, all the tragedy of World War II. So th this goes and it's, um, 
uh, he, he was asked by the psychologist about how does this happen? How do the people go along with that? Now, this is, this is what he uh, said. Why, why, of course, the people don't want war. Uh, Goring shrugged. Why would some poor slob on a farm want to risk his life in a war when the best that he can get out of it is to come back to his farm in one piece? Naturally, the common people don't want war, neither in Russia, nor England, nor in America, nor for that matter in Germany. That is understood. But after all, it is the leaders of the country who determine the policy. And it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it is a democracy or a fascist dictatorship or a parliament or a communist dictatorship. Those are, those are pretty much truth, truthful and makes you understand why it's so difficult because eventually the people do turn against the war. You know, I think of the 60s, you know, yeah. what we went through there and 68,000 Americans died. They should have been against the war when the Congress gave the authority to them. But eventually the people do have a responsibility. And we so often, Daniel, I know we've emphasized it on this program, sooner, sooner, wake up. And uh, there, there is a precise philosophy that would prevent this from happening. It would in, engage the Constitution as well as the principle of uh, non-intervention overseas. But uh, it seems to be so clear to us, but we have to keep saying about it and and uh, yet today, we're still looking for people who want to expand the war, but there's getting, now there's starting to, uh, start, starting to be some resistance to this, and there's some pointing out of some of the waste that goes on. You'd think the people would wake up from that, but they don't see the connection between the t inflation tax and what we're doing here. Yeah, and there are a number of ways, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, how they're able to promote war. Uh, the first thing, well, why would we? Well, put on this first uh, chart, this will tell you in one sentence a uh, good reason why they want to promote war. These are the military industrial complex stocks, uh, the price change. Uh, you have a 640.7% increase from Northrop Grumman, 612% uh, increase uh, from Lockheed, uh, and so on and so on. So there's huge profits for war, but how, as Goering very well pointed out, how do you do it? How do you convince them? Well, the one thing that they do, Dr. Paul, is they convince them that it's a humanitarian thing, if you remember. Uh, the, Kuwait, uh, the Kuwaiti ambassador's daughter, you know, she, she faked the uh, hearing. Oh, they're pulling babies from incubators. Completely fake. Gaddafi is running m uh, mobile rape labs around the country. You've got to take him out. So it's humanitarian. Uh, they claim that Putin was doing the same thing, mobile rape labs. Remember the... Um, Hillary and a few others, their excuse for why we were in Afghanistan. Well, we're in there to help the girls go to school, you know, <laughs> blowing up the country. So humanitarian is one. Uh, but the other one is fear. They use fear as well. And ironically, I think it was uh, 11 years ago yesterday. You will remember this, Dr. Paul. I'll never forget this day. 11 years ago yesterday that Colin Powell sat down before the U.N. with his little test tube and said, uh, Saddam has mobile weapons labs. These will be used in the United States and kill us all. One of the greatest uh, acts of deception in history, I think. Um, and the other thing that they use, just a couple more, is that they use, we got to go to war overseas so we don't have to go to war at home. That's an old one. It works all the time. It seems to. And here we have a video clip of Chuck Schumer saying that just yesterday. We've got to send the 60 billions of dollars, another 60 billion to Ukraine, 
Otherwise, Americans are going to be over there fighting and dying if we can queue up and put in our earplugs and listen to good old Chucky <laughs> breaking it down for us about why we need to send another $60 billion. We're at a turning point in America. This bill is crucial, and history will look back on it and say, did America fail itself? Why is it crucial? Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war, and we could be fighting in Eastern Europe in a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. Yeah. If we don't yeah, help Israel... Warning. We're going to be fighting. <coughs> uh, there's a couple more. Um, if you go to those clips, Biden, we got to help Ukraine now or send Americans to fight Russia with NATO later is one there that I that I just brought up. There's a million of these, uh, and, you know, not to be by, not to be partisan, because here's Lindsey Graham on the next one. He's saying, um, I like the path we're on with U.S. weapons and money where Ukraine is fighting Russia to the last Ukrainian. So they, they love this. They use fear, Dr. Paul. They love to use fear and the idea that war is somehow humanitarian. You know, I want to go back to Colin Powell because there was some resistance for him to do that. His staff, I think, tried to back him off. And he was not a super, uh, super enthusiast in no. going down there and do that. But in a way, you, you know, he had to pay a price. He did. You, you know, he lost all credibility. So that to me tells me that the truth does exist. Eventually they recognize it, but there's no reason why there were people more than you and I talking against that war. We had allies in the Congress. We had Democrats talking about it. And uh, there were anti-war people there. But uh, but it's sort of the propaganda machine that is so powerful. And uh, then the people are per persuaded. So uh, hopefully uh, we get an audience to the point where we can help stop these wars before they get started. Stopping them anytime is important. Yeah. And uh, right now, uh, I think the people are starting to get maybe a little tired of what we're doing. They certainly ought to be tired of all the money we're spent. Yeah. They certainly ought to be tired of the invasion in our own country yeah. to change policy. Well, you know, Lawrence <coughs> Wilkerson, who used to be on our board uh, at the Ron Paul Institute, we, we talked to him in the old days quite a bit, and he told us a lot about what happened. He was the chief of staff to Powell, and they basically had him hostage. You know, they were pounding him. You're going to say this the next day. It doesn't excuse it. It could have been an act of courage, but it wasn't. But um, so anyway, yeah. So this is the this is uh, <coughs> go to that next clip because this is kind of related. So what happens when you go to war? Well, a lot of money gets spent and a lot of money gets wasted. Uh, this is from Real Clear Wire via Zero Hedge. Waste of the day. Over a billion dollars in weapons is missing in Ukraine. It seems like every day, Dr. Paul, we find a new uh, evidence of corruption in Ukraine, yet they have the gall to demand we send more. The DOD has failed to properly track a billion dollars worth of weapons provided to Ukraine, according to an, an internal audit released on January 6th by the DOD Inspector General. Go to the, the next clip because <laughs> it's bad. Uh, the audit found that a billion dollars out of the 1.7 billion, or 59% of the enhanced end-use monitoring design weapons provided to Ukraine are delinquent, meaning they can't be accounted for. But that's the good news because that 59% delinquency rate is an improvement over the 86% delinquency rate just in December of 22. So they're 
they're maybe slightly less corrupt. I just thought about another reason why the gold standard would work. It'd be harder to hide the money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they had to ex exchange with gold money, uh, they couldn't hide uh, half of it and steal it. Be more. But there'd be always a way uh, that they can do it because it's the contest between good and evil and the people who believe that lying is uh, proper in society and uh, especially if you belong to the government. There's two sets of rules about lying, you know. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Uh, we're, we're supposed to obey all the laws that they write for us, but the same thing we should have done, like Bastia said, those laws, if they say you shouldn't steal, the government shouldn't steal, and they shouldn't be counterfeiters. But under the system we have is, yes, we can, we can re interpret, reinterpret, say the Constitution says anything we wanted to say, but the government does not have to live within its means. And, and there, it, all this, you know, there's a lot of activity. People say, well, they're doing their best. We have a lot of courts and they do a lot of meetings and examinations. And what, what do we end up with? The Department of Justice and the FBI and the CIA, they're going to protect us from, from the authoritarians? Huh. <laughs> Not likely. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, and actually, where did I put it? Well, I had a quote. I guess I didn't send it. I had a great quote of Senator Paul talking about the corruption in Ukraine and about how he's a no on this new bill because of the corruption and the theft. But let's move on. Now, I got an email from our friend Tim this morning, uh, and he said, look, I love watching you guys' show, but I need a good news story today. I'm just kind of sick <laughs> of the doom and gloom. So, Tim, this one is for you. Uh, I think it's kind of a good news story, if we can put this next one up. This is a new AP NORC poll. They do this monthly. Half of U.S. adults say Israel has gone too far in the war in Gaza. And go to that next one. Here's just the opener that gives you an example. Half of U.S. adults say Israel's 15-week-old military campaign in Gaza has gone too far. A finding driven mainly by growing disapproval among Republicans and political independence, according to a new poll. And why we say this is good news, it's not because it's any of our business what's going on internally, but it's good news because we're funding it, we're providing the weapons, and we're deeply involved uh, to our own potential detriment. So the fact that more Americans are opposing our involvement in this, opposing this war, is good news. The fact that Republicans are waking up now, big time, and opposing it, that's something I think specifically but, important. But immediately, they're going to have to contend with another lie. The lie will come flying back at those individuals, and we've heard it already. Oh, that means you're anti-Semitic, yeah. you know, and, uh, and yet, you know, the numbers are certainly beneficial. And uh, when more people gang up and, uh, and, 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 and try to define this and resent the fact that if they disagree with you, they, that they paste a label on you. Oh, you're just a bunch of anti-Semites, and that's why uh, you're, you're, you're complaining about this. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to defend our position if anybody comes around to understanding what non-intervention, yeah. <laughs> you alluded to it in your statement a minute ago, we, sh we shouldn't be in there micromanaging. And yeah, you mean you don't care? Yeah, we care. That, <laughs> that's one of the reasons we don't want to be in there, because we don't have a very good record of, of bringing about peace when we go and get involved, and, and uh, we suffer the, the consequence, people dying, and just think of the weapons industry, how many people, no wonder they don't want us to follow where these weapons go, yeah. uh, how, many, how many civilians did he kill last night, you know, yeah. it, it, it's pretty bad, so, uh, so that is, it's good news that there is a shift, 
give them a clap yeah. and say, keep doing it. Influence some other people. Yeah. Tell them there is a better way to do it. And it's not through authoritarianism. The authoritarian approach is it's a dishonest, it's immoral, it's unconstitutional. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's time we stand up and decide that uh, peace is a lot better than war. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the argument about it not making any sense, you know, oh, you just hate Israel, that's why you're saying this. That doesn't make sense, you know. And I think a great analogy is, you know, say a guy's in the bar and he's had way too much to drink and he starts challenging everyone to fight. He needs to have a buddy to tap him on the shoulder saying, hey, I think you've had enough, it's time to go home, you know. <laughs> and that's what the U.S. could be doing. Hey, you had enough, take it easy because things aren't going to end well for Israel. All you have to do is look at the map and see what's surrounding them. Things are not going to end well if things keep going the way they well, go. Well, you, you, you know, my traditional answer to this explanation comes about, uh, you know, it's too complicated. How do you how do you do this? And I simplify it and, it, and just say, well, how did we get in there? Uh, did, did we get in there legally and constitutionally and declaration of war and the people behind us? And you had the money to do it? No, we just marched in. Why can't we just march out yeah. and, uh, oh no, that would be disruptive. And you, know, you might have a mess because when you just look at when we just marched out of Afghanistan, what a mess. Yeah. But the one, one error compounds, compounds it and creates many, many other errors. To, and, and the interventionist policy is just, just not feasible. It's not good. It uh, does not bring about peace and prosperity, let me tell you. Well, the thing is, unfortunately, we're not marching back out. And <laughs> for people like me who do dumb things like watch and track military transport planes, five of them uh, flew from the U.S. to Israel yesterday. So they're still bringing a ton of weapons still in there. Still marching in. So let's look a little bit more at this poll because there are a couple of things that are interesting. And uh, if you could put this up, I think there are some dramatic things here. Now, half of U.S. adults say the military response from Israel has gone too far. It's up from November so if you look at the first one, among all adults, now just from November to January, you have 40% in November, up to 50% now saying they've gone too far. Now among Democrats, you've got uh, mid-60s, mid-60%, almost 7 in 10 saying they've gone too far. But here's what struck my attention. Uh, from November, in Republicans, in November, only 18% said that Israel has gone too far. It is up now to almost double, 33% of Republicans. So to me, that is the most significant number. The number of Republicans who say this has gone on too long, it's going on too far, has almost doubled in that two months. And I think one of the things that's very important because the, uh, the, the, the pro-war side, the pro-Israel war side are saying, Oh, it's only a bunch of crazed leftists and progressives. Uh, they just love Hamas, and that's why they're doing this. Well, increasingly, it's Republicans and conservatives who are saying, as our old friend Jimmy Duncan used to say, there's nothing conservative about war. <laughs> and they're waking up and seeing that, I think. So it's very interesting. The other thing, if I can, Dr. Paul, is just go into politics for a brief period. If you can put on that next clip. Um, <clears throat> so 50% of all adults believe it's gone too far. Uh, that's up from 40. Now go to the next one. Now this is significant. If I were Biden's people looking at this, I would be very nervous. <clears throat> Fracture lines, this is from the AP article, Fracture lines are growing in his Democratic base. 
with some key Democratic blocs that Biden will likely need if he's going to win a second term unhappy with his handling. Now, I've highlighted the bottom part because I think it's very significant. Notably, about 7 in 10 Democrats under 45 disapprove of the way Biden has handled what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, that's the opposite of the attitude of older Democrats. These are the young uh, progressive Democrats who are abandoning the party. You know, what it makes me think of, you know, we, we uh, develop an argument and a discussion about true democracy and is democracy a good way to run things. But I keep looking at those. Well, maybe we need a little democracy there. And look at those numbers, you know, and have them pay attention to it. But uh, that's, uh, that is something that uh, uh, is it very, very encouraging. And pe people sometimes, you know, it's strange how it works. People want comfort. And, and when the people went complaining about COVID, um, most of them were uncomfortable, but they wanted to know what was going on and they were unhappy. Then all of a sudden, somebody gets up and forcefully said, enough is enough, let's quit this. And you know what? The other people felt encouraged, and all of a sudden they were cheering that individual on. So, yeah, it is. It has to be spoken. There has to be somebody to lead the charge, and uh, and then the people do have to endorse. You know, the majority voting is the of pure democracy. That 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 is dangerous because the majority can literally punish anybody they want. Just get 51 percent of the vote, but you need to have an attitude by the people that endorse the ideas of peace and uh, it's going to happen because what they're doing with war is they're defying all the principles that are laid out in the constitution and uh, it's led to a lot of problems a lot of killing and a lot of poverty absolutely well i'm going to close it out dr paul and i'm just going to remind our viewers and i will put a link <laughs> in here but we are teaming up with our friends at the mises institute to put on an event right down here in brazoria county in april Censorship and Official Lies, The End of Truth in America. It's going to be a great little seminar, uh, and you're going to enjoy it. I will put a link in there to get your <coughs> tickets if you want to. It's a nice time of year to come down here, April 13th, 2024, near Lake Jackson in Texas. Uh, and thanks for watching the show. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. You know, the... Uh whole principle of the necessity of declaring a war by the Congress, speaking for the people, has been totally neglected and made fun of because uh, it's too slow and it's uh, not the way to do it. And besides, the people at the military industrial complex, they don't like that either. And they consider it complicated because it involves laws. And we met that same resistance when I tried to insist, if you want to fight this war, you got to declare the war and make it uh, at least uh, an effort to look like it's constitutional. Uh, and yet uh, we don't do that anymore. And it's also to the point we ignore that part of uh, going to war. But then Daniel pointed out earlier with that one article, the, the, the funding, the funding continues. You can't even follow it. it the stuff disappears. And, uh, and that's, the way, that's the way it runs. So de declaring the war, I think we should at least start with that and not listen to this. Because if they say, no, that's not necessary, that's confusing and it's complicated, so we don't want to mess with that, then you better look out. Because that means they got free reign. And they have had free reign. But let's hope that these times when people are speaking out the truth and moving in the right directions, we give them encouragement. We should all 
all give people encouragement if they know about understand and believe it's much better off to argue the case for peace and prosperity than that of an interventionist foreign policy i want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the liberty report please come back soon